Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 110th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief, and I will be your host for this episode live from a cave deep in the Dune Sea. But before I get into our podcast and who's on it with us, just a couple programming notes for everyone. Next week is a special week. We're going to actually have two episodes. So check out next, uh, I want to say either Tuesday or Wednesday, we're going to drop our episode with Tommy Siegel of Jukebox, the ghost, also best-selling author of the, uh, an artist of the books, I Hope This Helps, and Candy Hearts, which you can find on Amazon and in Target and other places, including Tommy Siegel's website. Uh, and now let's get into the reason you're here, our Obi-Wan Kenobi review series, so aptly titled Sith Happens. That's right, Sith Happens, a Kenobi story. We're here talking about Disney+, Plus. of course we are, their new series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll be talking about episodes one through three. You can find my review of the first two episodes and Aaron Sarnecki's review of the third episode on thepopbreak.com. And I am joined uh, fresh from the fires of a volcano. He's got his breathing apparatus on. Ladies and gentlemen, the managing editor of thepopbreak.com, drinking a White Claw like the Viking that he is, Al Manorino. What's going on, bud? Oh, oh, oh. It sounds like I'm saying cookie, but I I wasn't really practicing my Darth Vader impression. What's going on, guys? Okay, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Uh, um, <laughs> I must spit my drink all over the computer. Um, joining us, oh shit! Uh, joining us um, is our resident guest, and this is the first time we've had a a resident guest come back for a series. We always have a new one every time, but it's Star Wars. And we have to have our favorite Star Wars person, sorry to our guest, uh, our favorite person to talk about Star Wars, Amanda Rivas, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much. I didn't realize I was the first resident guest to come back. I am extremely honored. And oh my gosh, it's, it's so awesome to be back. And I've been waiting for the show, as we all have. I, I there's so much to talk about. I'm just gonna like keep it short and sweet and just again thank you guys for having me back. I can't wait to just dive into this because I'm I've been like this all week, like hopping around. For those who who are you know there's no visual here, but I'm like I'm hopping around because I've I've been waiting for this. So don't yeah, worry. thank you guys for having me. I'm gonna delay it as long as possible. Um and joining us, uh I didn't think he was on a podcast with us this year, but my memory is awful, mostly because I was drunk for most of these podcasts. He is sometimes known as, as sometimes confused for du former WWE and AEW star Miro, sometimes confused for Post Malone. Sometimes he's referred to as the Jesus Christ of junior hockey, but my God, he is our producer, our engineer. He is the light of our lives, or maybe just Al's. And he is the engineer and producer of this podcast, Lucas P. Jones. Welcome back, sir. Hello there. Uh, it is great to be back and nice to be back for a show that not only do I not hate, um, but that I actually, oh gosh, what's the word? We used to use it to describe TV shows that we don't hate. Um, 
that I love every single thing about. Um, <laughs> but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Yes, we are uh, talking about Kenobi. Um, and but before we get into Kenobi, we have one thing um, that we need to discuss, and that is Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Celebration was last week, and boy, oh boy, was there a ton of stuff that came out of there. Uh, so guys, real quick, before we get in Kenobi, let's talk about our favorite thing that came out of Star Wars Celebration. And for everyone who doesn't know what Star Wars Celebration is, Star Wars Celebration is basically a big convention where a whole bunch of Star Wars fans get together. And oh, by the way, your favorite stars, producers, and creatives of Star Wars also get together and we get releases and trailers and news and all sorts of rad stuff. So Al, of all the plethora of Star Wars stuff that came out, what was your number one thing that you were the most hyped about? And of course, also I should mention, Lucasfilm dropped a bunch of stuff, including the first image from the new Indiana Jones film, the trailer, the trailer for Willow, almost said the trillo for Whaler. But yeah, so let's start what was your favorite thing to come out of star wars celebration um so mine i believe because no one's going to take this one i believe is the announcement official announcement um it's been been rumored for a little bit but the uh, tales of the jedi animated series i'm very excited about that because it's a it's a chance for them to explore um you know new stories with familiar characters without having to you know de-age or recast or things like that and they can actually get but you know potentially original actors to come back to to do things like that so uh doors wide open uh we're gonna get a, an ahsoka uh origin like pre her uh introduction in the clone wars we get to see like baby ahsoka which was very cute um and then i believe they confirmed question mark um liam neeson coming back to, to voice a Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, and his, awesome. And his son. His son's supposed to help voice too. That's awesome. Yeah, so things like that is pre like pretty cool. And like, you know, people have been, you know, talking forever. Like, hey, when are we going to get Sam Jackson back as Mace Windu? This is an opportunity to do that if they don't want to bring him into the, uh, you know, the the Mandoverse or whatever we're calling it now. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think that was really cool. And there's a million other reasons. Celebration was awesome. And I wish I was there. <sighs> It's uh, apparently Amanda told us it's going to be in Europe next year. So guys, let's get those passports. Let's go to Europe. I don't know where in Europe, but you know, we'll find it. Uh, Lucas from star Wars celebration. What was the one thing that piqued your interest the most? Um, I think that the, the bad batch season two spotlight was really cool. Um, the bad batch was a show that like, I, didn't think I was going to like as much as I did. And once you kind of get past the first, like maybe episode or two, um, it is really good. And I think it comes into its own as, as what I've been wanting more of out of star Wars, which is self-contained stories that don't really rely on this whole crazy metaverse of stuff. Um, but I'm excited for, for bad batch season two. I mean, I'm totally fine with giving a show a couple episodes, episodes to get good, um, before it really gets into it. So uh, that was what I was most excited about. Uh, as for me, I am really excited for Andor. Um, that uh, I have talked about this on many a podcast. In fact, TV Break just dropped earlier this week. And I said, this was my favorite because um, I've often said Rogue One. I like Rogue One. 
I would have loved Rogue One as a series. And now I sort of kind of get it. And uh, I'm all for street level uh, Star Wars, uh, something I will bring up in this podcast. But street level Star Wars and espionage and back alley stuff and getting maybe a little gritty. Uh, I really am. I'm into that. Taking us to different lands and seeing about the empire taking over and how that's impacting people and the the birth of the rebellion. So yeah, and Diego Luna's awesome. So win win for me. So Amanda, last but not least, what is your what are you most hyped for? So hard because everything was so good. I was such a big nerd live streaming so much of this while I was working. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite, hands down, has to be getting more information on Ahsoka. I, that's as much as I've been excited about this show. Ahsoka, she's my favorite Star Wars character. We all know this. And um, just getting a confirmation in a sense that we are going to get questions from Rebels answered and a little bit more involvement from characters like Sabine, a Chopper. I, I popped for Chopper. I was like, live action Chopper. It's like, yeah. Um, my favorite droid. And um, so just kind of getting a, a, and it's not been confirmed, but I have a feeling that Ewan McGregor's significant other might be playing Hera. That's my, that's because she's in this show as well. And I, that's who I feel like she's going to play. Um, so just getting that continuity, because I did very much enjoy Star Wars Rebels. And so just being able to, to go back and see some of the characters and, and tie into that is so exciting. I'm just, I'm so pumped, so pumped. And I'm really hoping that at the end of this, we get some kind of Ahsoka teaser or trailer. That's all I want. Just give it to me. Just give it to me, please. <laughs> like Dave Batista, give me what I want. Um, but so have they pinpointed a release date for Ahsoka? Because we got the release. We got the that Mando is going to not be at the end of 2022. That looks like that's Willow is going to be the Lucasfilm slash Star Wars. Well, it's Lucasfilm, it's not Star Wars. Lucasfilm entry at the end of the year. Um, did they say when we're going to be getting um, Ahsoka? Just 2023. That's all. I, I think it was just Mando got February 2023. I think Willow was November 2023. So I have a feeling Ahsoka is going to be around like May, June, July. They're going to have to have something to fill in that gap. All right. Well, we're, we're excited for that. Um now what we're really excited for is to finally get into the first three episodes of Kenobi. Now we have segments like they do, and it's just dumb bullshit that I come up with because this is what I do. It's just all puns and dumb, dumb things. So the first one we would normally talk about is what's the story Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that is basically, I wanted to give an homage to Oasis for Al because he talked, he kept DMing me about Liam Gallagher or something like that. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll make Al new, al new album's pretty good. It's pretty solid. I mean, I'm waiting for the other thing for him to talk about I'm, at, at some point. Um, we're not going to bring it up, but what I want to do instead of talk going, reading three Wikipedia entries on episodes is I want to get everyone's thoughts about this heading into this series. And I'll start off and out because this is why I wanted to start in this because this was this series of both Marvel and Star Wars, since we're in the Disney Plus universe here, that I was most concerned about. Because one, they had to pause the show because they had to get all new writers, cut the episode order, cut Darth Maul out. 
and I was and also kind of we're treading in the prequel waters here. And if anyone has seen the uh, Simon Pegg show Spaced, we know that the hatred for the prequels can run very deep. So I was very concerned for this series. Now the trailer is kind of alleviated, but like even heading into episode one before I hit play early on Thursday, Friday, because apparently it I got it at like instead of midnight, I got it like at eleven thirty. Um, I was very concerned for this series. So, Amanda, I'm going to start with you. I feel like you're the exact opposite, and I feel like that's our personalities too. Like I worry about literally everything. Um, how did you feel going into this uh, series? I was really excited because Kenobi is such an iconic character. And I, I feel like my, my, just my excitement grew when they were bringing back Ewan McGregor and they're bringing back Hayden Christensen and just, just announcing who they were bringing back made me really excited for it. Um, I was a little disappointed that, that Darth Maul got cut in the beginning because I, I remember seeing Ray Park and Sam Witwer post pictures and I love Sam Witwer. He's my Star Wars boyfriend. Um, and I was sad that they got cut because I'm like, well, when are they, where are they going to go? And then Hayden Christensen is back. It's like, oh, this is, this is unknown territory because you are treading into prequel waters. And how do you bring these two characters together without affecting the iconic meetup that they have originally? Like, just, just how do you, how do you do that? So I mean, I was, I was really curious. I was really excited. And, and to be honest, like kind of looking back at, at them cutting Darth Maul, I'm actually glad that they they did because you're basically going to have to recreate either the Rebels moment where they encounter each other or I mean, the story, their stories, individual stories have already been told in, in the, the animated, the various animated series. So this is just, it was just fun to go into unknown territory and it could have gone wrong. It could have, there was that, there's that risk, but I was just really hyped and I was a hype for Hayden because there's so much hate out there. There was so much hate out there for him in the prequels. Um, for this kid and just to ha have him come back and be so positive um, you just really were, I was rooting for him I really wanted him to do well I'll give you a funny story about that my wife literally had no idea that this show existed and like a couple days beforehand I was telling her about it and she's just like well if they were ballsy they would bring back Hayden Christensen and I'm like they did it. and she's like Oh, I'm like, does that make you want to watch it? And she's like, not, no. at, all. not at all. So there you go, Sue. Your little shout out this week. Um, <laughs> Lucas, heading into the show, your thoughts, like your feelings, trepidations, or were you totally stoked? Um, so I had, I think I talked with Alan, I think I talked with you guys maybe on the last pod about this, that on a rewatch of Solo, the movie was much, much better than it was initially. And it made me even sadder for the way that they treated that movie in the lead up with obviously the director change, the writer change. Um, was it Lord yeah. and Miller got yanked off that and, and everyone's favorite fifties child, Ron Howard came in and, and fixed it. Um, but like, so I was worried that now this was good. The same thing was going to happen that the first person they brought in was going to be too ambitious, AKA it was going to be too good, like too good, but in the wrong way. And they were going to do the same thing that they did to solo and they were going to ruin it. Um, I like the fact they cut Darth Maul because I feel like Darth Maul, which was supposed to be the third movie in that solo trilogy. Um, I feel like that lends really well to the creation of where I hope they go next, which is in between episodes five and six shadows of the empire, which is a 
not only a great standalone book, but one of the most hugely successful early Star Wars video games um, okay. following a crime syndicate that I think Darth, they set up Darth Maul to start, which is cool. Um, but I, I was I was a little nervous. Um, and also in a, in a broader respect, man, if they mess this up, they can't do anything right. Like if, if you can't figure out how to make Kenobi work, then especially on the heels of Book of Boba Fett and how confusing that got towards the end, there's, you, you're really putting the entire future of the property at risk if you can't get Kenobi right. So I was a, a little nervous, um, but the trailer was cool. And then obviously, you know, as I've been doing for more and more properties lately, I've been avoiding any trailers or media or material um, and then just watching it and waiting to see what happens. So, um, but yeah, there was certainly a lot of that. Anytime they change directors, never, oh, it's never a good thing, right? They So they just- uh, they well, change directors or writers, I should say. Writers, yeah, because Deborah mm-hmm. Chow did remain. So she mm-hmm. was she was she was locked in there, um, but just wanted to put that out there. If anyone yeah, yeah. But the writers definitely were changed. So Al, what were your thoughts heading into Kenobi? I, just one comment from Luke. Um, the reason we all like Rogue One is because they change directors at in the middle of the production. Well, who was the original director? Um, I think it's supposed. It's not Garrett uh, Edwards, is it? No, it's it's supposed to be. Supposed to be someone they brought someone in. That's the reason we have the Vader seat in the end. Well, it, that, it could that it was could, added after the fact. Yeah, it could go well, but it, it's it's always an alarm bell, right? Until you see the oh yeah, I mean, Sol- Solo is a prime example. They got rid of uh, Lord of Miller like a few weeks into um, filming, so mm-hmm. yeah, it can go either way. But um, yeah, I just wanted to make note because Rogue One was was basically made on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah, I thought this was the like Star Wars version of Loki, like putting a T down and and you know hitting a just a monster home run off it. Like this is so easy for them. It's let's bring back fan favorite Uma McGregor. Let's give a redemption to Hayden Christensen. Uh, let's tell a, a young Darth Vader story, a young Obi Wan or pre New Hope Obi Wan story like literally the first star wars um disney plus series that was like a cakewalk mandalorian biggest risk people had to really embrace the character new character new storyline and then they interweaved wove you know the actual universe into it very very cool book of boba fett was like we've seen like 20 minutes of this guy total like that's kind of a risk. Like they had to build a whole origin around them and everything. This was their first, like, let's just fucking knock this out of the park right off the tee. All right. So too confident, too nervous. I mean, this is literally just defining how we are as human beings here, guys. Um, let's, um, let's go into, uh, sorry. I have a couple of my thing, the way I, copied it looks terrible here so uh let's talk about so we're going to go into three three we're talking about three episodes here so this is going to be a little tough so we can have multiple picks here so this is going to be the grand inquisitor this is going to be our favorite part of each episode so just we have three 
and that might be tough. So if we could talk about our three, and you know what, it could be an overarching pick. Now, obviously, when we go into individual episodes, it'd be a lot easier. So, um, Lucas, I'm gonna start with you. What are the what are the favorite parts from our our trifecta of episodes that we are going to be talking about today? Um. So I think from the first episode, my favorite part was sassy Uncle Owen. I I mean, just what a good job by the actor on that. Um. But I think I think sad Obi Wan. I think I think you you. They really wrote, and the strength of this whole series has been the not just the writing, but it fixed one of the major problems with Star Wars, which is Star Wars has a sometimes a tendency to tell rather than show. And this series is doing a really good job of showing and not telling. So sad Obi-Wan, I feel like really sets up like the character for the entire arc. Um, so I think that was my favorite part of episode one. Do you want me to go through the rest of the episodes now? Are we going? Yeah, yeah, two? no, yeah. This is your this is your run uh, right now. Your this is your Logan's run, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. Um, <laughs> hey, you show some respect. Um, <laughs> I watched it on WPIX. That thing sucked. Oh, gee, wow. You may have. I don't know if anybody in our audience knows what what those two things combined might be. Oh, you did. Uh, That's all. It was, all <laughs> um yeah so I, I think sad obi-wan in, in episode one because like it really does set you up and like it leaves you with kind of a sense of hopelessness and you realize very quickly that like oh oh this is not like the same this is not the same guy like it's it's completely different guy you don't even see him use the force until episode two very deep into episode two and he has to struggle for it right um episode two i think my favorite part was probably probably the initial like reveal of how badass and i'm going to pronounce it wrong i'm so i'm just going to go with third sister how do you pronounce the character's actual name is it reva 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 um wow you want to talk about like an acting performance right that that is just and again it it sets up the character so definitively with swagger and overconfidence and like comp like overconfidence that's compensating without being too try hard right it's just a a really masterful job done by the writers and and by um the actress moses ingram yeah just incredible work um and then episode three just got super fucking dark at the end (laughs) and like it's it's needed literally there yeah, it's it's needed to go there. It's just it's been crying out for so long. Like there are kids Star Wars shows, and then there just needs to be the not kids shows. There needs to be like Vader dragging Obi Wan through burning sand and telling him your torture's only just begun. Oh. Holy shit, that was dark. Oh man! But again, it makes sense. Um, there was a criticism, and if, if you want to move on, we oh. somebody else we can, but there was a criticism that I saw from a, a Barstool Sports did a review of the third episode, um, and they criticized the lightsaber choreography, but it's that was the point. Like, it wasn't supposed to be good. Obi-Wan no. like, used the Force for the first time in 10 years. Like, Vader's just toying with him. He was torturing him from the moment he started fighting him to the moment he dragged him through the sand. Like he's just he was, playing with him. And he's fight and he was using one hand too. Yeah. I was like, it's, this is fucking awesome. It he mirrors the fight yeah. between him and Luke in episode five, right? He yeah. knows yeah. Luke 
is miserable and it has no shot, right? But he can't kill him, not yet. Pleasure. So, um, but I, I, it, 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 it's I, one thing I want to pick, pick up that you said about Riva in episode two mm-hmm. is I didn't like her in episode one because I thought the dialogue was very stiff. It was very, I'm here, I'm ambitious, I yeah. want this. And I'm like, oh, God, she looked, she's too good. to like. I get, I've never seen Moses Ingram in anything. And I'm just like, this, this actress obviously is too good for this. This dialogue sucks. And then there was a scene. Fantastic in, in The Queen's Gambit. Just uh, absolutely fantastic. I have not watched Emmy it. nominated. In, uh, yes. In fact, very good. There is a scene where she's jumping on the, she's like running on the rooftops. And she just like almost snarls at the camera at one point. I'm like, holy shit, she's uh she is a monster. And I'm here for it because it just can't always be Darth Vader, who is infinitely cool, but like and a badass, which we already knew, but it it took it to a different level here. But I'm like, now she means something more, especially when we see her kill the Grand Inquisitor. I'm like, I'm really, really into this character now. Um, so yeah, that was the thing for me. I just wanted to jump off that episode too. I totally agree with you. Um, uh, Amanda, your favorite moments, I, this might be a lot, but your favorite moments yeah. from episodes. I had to kind of parcel it out a little bit. I'm like, uh, I, you know, I have to say right off the bat, I loved that. Uh, the first episode, that prequel kind of overview, that high level, I thought that was brilliantly done yeah. because it helped set the stage for the rest of the story. And it was a nice, I'm like, can we splice that and send it to people who've never seen? <laughs> or they're like, I don't remember what the prequels are like. That, that's a fantastic summary. It was so well done. The editing was great. So um, props to props, props to Disney and to, to the team for putting everything, putting that together. That was brilliant. Um, the first episode, I actually was really intrigued with the Grand Inquisitor. He stuck out to me because I've been, I've, my exposure to him has come from Rebels. And knowing his history, he's a very fascinating character. Um, you know, former Jedi guard, a temple guard turned. Yeah, he's got a great story. Um, sure. And actually, you know, it's kind of a tragic story too. Um, basically, you know, in, in, in Rebels, that's where most people know him from, um, the first season of Rebels. And he has this really cool lightsaber battle with Kanan, Jairus, and Ezra. And basically, you know, his story, even just after that, it's just really sad. It's a tragic, it's a tragic story. So seeing that character come to life with, with um, a Rupert friend does a great job with it. Um, I liked his voice and liked kind of the, the, the gravitas he kind of brought to that. For somebody who's, I think, I don't think he's fairly young too, isn't he? Isn't he like in his 30s or something? Yeah, Says his thirties and I people... think it's like thirties. I mean, he's and he's got a, a stellar, you know, kind of resume. He's got a really solid acting resume. So, um, so I really, really liked his his performance. It's kind of it was it was again just just knowing the backstory of the character. And again, there's one point where you know the of course the Grand Inquisitor dies ultimately, but um, his Force Ghost is brought back, and Luke Skywalker confronts it in in one of the, the books. So. Vader still enslaves him so it's it's a very um it's a very sad story so it's interesting for me it was fun seeing that character come to life and then my other moment of course was seeing Bail Organa come in so I'm here like Jimmy Smith and just the relationship that he has with with little Leia is just that was really heartwarming and it was really neat to get there I I know some people are, are have kind of some criticisms about that with young Leia coming in but 
I just, I loved that though, because you, you get her story fleshed out too. So I really enjoyed that those parts of the, the first episode. Um, the second episode. Yeah. I, Moses Ingram just tears it up, tears it up. But for me, the, the overarching kind of theme is just the relationship or kind of the building of the relationship between Leia and Obi-Wan. Um, and you really get a feel for maybe even why she named her son later Ben Solo. You know, it's just, you, you feel that relationship connecting. And we all had that moment where she's asking a million questions. And as a parent, you're like, <laughs> the parent frustration came back. Um, but then you just see him, you just see him soften a little bit and start getting more gentle. So just that relationship building was, was something that really stuck out to me. Um, and just even the line, even what he says about Padme, you know, that she was a leader. I melted, like I, he put over and using wrestling terminology, put over Padme in like a way that hadn't really happened since the Clone Wars. Like I prefer Clone Wars Padme and I feel like little Leia channels that more than prequel Padme, who you didn't get that much from, you know? But um, so I really enjoyed just, just those little touches like that. Um, the third episode, the lightsaber battle. I know people were, people are on it sometimes, but I'm just like, but I love the fact that Ben Kenobi was not a, he didn't come out the gate just straight fighting. You know, he wasn't, you know, you get that broken, you know, there's that growth that's coming from Obi-Wan because you know that, that something has to have happened. You know, some growth has to happen before you get to wise Ben Kenobi. Um, and I feel like it even mirrors the journey he went when he confronted Darth Maul. You know, the, the young Padawan, he ultimately, yes, he sliced Darth Maul in half, but he was scattered and unsure and all over the place. And then when they have their encounter later in Rebels, he's seasoned, he's wise. And I just, I like that you get that vulnerable Obi-Wan and that he's not that great with the lightsaber. It's been buried in the sand. Um, and Darth and Darth Vader is like at the peak of his game right now, choking people because he can, dragging people through the dirt, um, you know, just dragging Obi-Wan through the sand, like ultimate villain status there. So that contrast in that battle was, was awesome for me. But those are some of my, my highlights um, for those three episodes. For me, because I'm going to save you for last. Um, for me, episode one was Little Leia. Because as the father of a little Leia, I could tell you, I'm just like, wow, this, this, re this is, be this, this is Lady Mormont of Star Wars now. That's who she is. She, she is that character. And you know, when we were talking about TV break, it was just like, uh, Star Wars has this pension of doing like cranky guy with a kid. And they do it well. But I, I kind of see it all just, a, it, it's just slightly different because it's like you were saying, it's like, she names her son Ben, which I totally forgot until you mentioned it. But also, I it just kept the line of help us, Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. And I'm just like, wow, this changes everything. And I like that we're going to have Obi-Wan. And I like that it was Jimmy Smith's going to be like, you're going to rescue. Or this is probably a little bit of episode two, but you're going to rescue her. And it's not, we got a little bait and switch with, not in a bad way, of he was playing fairy godfather to Luke from afar but actually he's going to be with Leia. And I like that better. I like that dynamic better. And especially when they kill me with the line, oh, it's really hard for me. I called her 
Leia because that was her mom's name and I forget and she reminds me so much I'm just like please please stop I need I need you to shoot something soon because this is very emotional and this is this is hard to get through and it was such a great line so that's why I love that we have this Leia character who's precocious but like meaningful and and we eventually see that when she's like kind of breaks down the third episode where she's like I didn't mean to run away I used to do it all the time I didn't mean for any of this to happen and just to show that she's just not a little brat, you know what I mean? Which a lot of times shows can do to kids, especially if they're more than just, you know, goofy. They're just like, oh, they're precocious, so they're a brat. Um, episode two, the entire set, that city in episode two, it's just like Star Wars Blade Runner. Yes, thank you. I love it. Give me more of that. I'm tired of deserts. I'm tired of forests. <laughs> Give me a city. Give me something, like I would mention with Andor, give me something gritty. Give me something down and dirty. Give me a Jedi con man. <laughs> you know, give me neon and future and something different and unique. It kind of reminds me of the planet in, well, Mando season 2.5 in Book of Boba Fett, where he's fighting the, um, he's fighting the John Favreau Mando, Mandalore. And they're on that rando, like, halo planet that looks like suburbs but they're in space and i'm like that's the stuff we miss it's like we're too reliant on tatooine and foresty areas and just stuff that's just like fairy tale where's the cities where's the real you know something realistic and that added so much to the tension and to the suspense and to the drama of episode two and then for episode three yeah i'll go with the lightsaber scene but for a different reason I loved the chase, how so much of it was shot in dark and it was so claustrophobic. And the only thing that would light it was the light from the lightsaber. And that would come in either as panic or as horror. And they really played with the suspense there. And that's not something we often get with Star Wars that isn't based in like big, uh, like spaceship battles. So it's just like, oh, we've got to outrun this thing. Here's the TIE fighters coming for us. So we're going to go through, go through this chase. This was more of, this again was more street level. This was more visceral. It felt more impactful. That was really awesome. So Al, I'm sure I stole one of those from you. I'm sorry. Oh. But, uh, you could just say it better than me. Oh my God. I can't because you stole all of them. You said it very well. I was going to say the Leia reveal, the only thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is like, way to go, Star Wars, continuing to surprise the shit out of us. Like literally, With they... Four. <laughs> they show they they literally showed us Luke on purpose, so we didn't think that we were gonna get like I didn't even think that was even a possibility, and it was so cool that they did that. And not only that, it's like like we're getting another lone wolf and cub. Like this is awesome. Like I'm I'm totally cool with it because it makes sense and it's great. And she's great. And I I, I, uh, I was gonna say I turned to my wife, but she was not watching with me, so I turned to myself and I'm like, is that Lady Mormont? I was like, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't her crazy so that was one uh episode two was legitimately the set uh from the planet and i would also give a shout out to uh, kumail nanjani uh who's uh just just a gift to everyone um i love that he played a uh, grifter jedi like amazing uh obviously he's not a real jedi which is uh, spoilers but so cool um and then three, I, I, uh, Amanda had already said it, but you, you guys had all talked about it. it. Was, you know, I think it was just Vader in general. 
because we got more of the Rogue One terrifying, like terrifying, but with modern technology Vader. And I think that's what makes it even cooler is like we're seeing this iconic character who's been in our lives forever, but now we're getting to see like him adjusted to new technology without ruining him in the slightest you get james earl Jones back you have hayden christensen in the suit like they're not updating him for a new audience we're getting him with updated technology so cool and is it james earl jones is like 91 years old yeah. isn't he yep. this is probably like you know Hang kind on. of thinking about that yeah it's like this might be the last time Don't. we hear him like it just in general he may just decide nah, i don't know if i want to do it anymore I'm good. I recorded everything I needed to, but it's, it's like, you know, if, unless Vader, they keep, of course, bringing Vader back down in the, you know, kind of the universe there, you know, I mean, we're getting James Earl Jones, guys. Yeah. That's, and the one, oh, okay. sorry, Bill, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, Lucas. Fine. I was going to say that, like, the, the lightsaber fight at the end, since it's, you know, the last thing that happened, especially with the most recent episode, is, that not only does it pretty directly mirror episode five's lightsaber fight on Cloud City, but like it mirrors it because that lightsaber fight was such a great combination of mystical horror from 80s horror movies where it wasn't, it wasn't like, like almost like, um, like a Jason, right? Like a, like a Friday the 13th where yeah. it's not mystical but you never see the villain move. The villain just appears. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of establishing how intimidating Vader is because you're seeing it from the perspective of Obi-Wan and it's a shaky cam, right? And Obi-Wan is dark for the first 75% of the fight. And then he like finds a little courage and ignites the lightsaber. And what's the next thing you see? Vader already standing in front of him. Every time you see Vader, he's not walking. He's already there. Right. So it just it feels it feels almost like a, a, a nightmare on Elm Street slash Friday the 13th ode to, you know, slightly mystical horror villain where they always seem to be there yeah. and you don't know where they are until they're there. Um, and I just feel like it's it's an ode to something else that Star Wars does so well, which is borrow from the samurai films of of, you know, 40s, 50s and 60s, where the fights are not fights. The fights are extensions of the dialogue. Right. The fights themselves are exposition. That's, the fights like are it's a Dave Filoni. It's yeah. A Dave Filoni touch. And, and that's what happens when you let these people who who just it's not that they just know about it. Right. It's that they care so deeply about not just the, the IP, but of everything that came before it and everything that influenced it where you know that 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 fight scene could have been scripted dialogue of the two of them sitting at a table but like it happened to be a lightsaber fight instead so i just feel like people got to give it some slack everyone you know really wants to jump on it and criticize it but you know take a deep breath and like think about it we still have three episodes left right and i think it makes sense i think it was i think it was really well done i want to ask you guys about one of the big things about Darth Vader that we saw, we literally saw the construction of Darth Vader. Now, we had seen some stuff in Empire, and what did you guys think of this? This literally seeing his limbs being put on, we literally saw how everything was made here. How did you, was that impactful for you guys? Do you think it was like something you didn't need? Um, Amanda, I'll go with you first. Like, how do you guys feel about that scene? I did. 
Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was too long. I think they could have dragged it out. And I'm thankful they, they didn't. It, I feel like it was just the right, right length. But I, I really feel like for me, it was impactful because it reminded you of how much he went through, you know, burning up um, and, and Revenge of the Sith. You know, you, you really don't think about how much, I mean, it's teased. You know, you see him in the back to tank, you see him, but you really never get the full, other than that moment, you know, when that's actually, when he's burning and, you know, dragging himself up and just, you know, eyes are turning to Sith color, all that. Um, other than that, you really don't get how much pain or how much he really went through. And I, 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 I think just seeing that, it, for me, it hit me where I'm like, wow, he went through so much trauma. Like, how is this guy still alive? And the fact that they were accurate um, in terms of you see like, you know, the, the severed limbs, you see it, you know, they, they, those attention, that attention to detail was, was really important. Cause I think people, if they had done that incorrectly, people would have knit, tore, torn that up. Um, but for me, it was impactful because it reminded me just of, of how much, you know, you have Obi-Wan who's obviously suffering and going through a lot, but how much Anakin Skywalker suffered in the process of becoming Darth Vader and what he lives through. And this is his daily life. So it's, it, it just drove home the point that, yeah, he he went through a lot to get to Darth Vader all the way around. And just here's here's the impact of it. Al or Lucas, one of you guys want to jump in? Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. It's just that Amanda said it great, but I, I had one other thought. Um, and it could be because of other things um, that are making my brain work this way. But I think it'd be it's almost it's interesting. I think it was super impactful. And the reason why is um, I believe the third sister of Moses Ingram is the actual antagonist of this. Right. right. Whereas, Ma, you know, but whereas, yeah, whereas Obi-Wan Obi and now Vader are the protagonists. Cause we are both seeing just, we're seeing Vader as a protagonist, but from a different point of view, he is not the antagonist. Like we're literally caring about this character just as much as we would care about obi-wan um and i love when shows do that where you get both sides of the coin and like justified which i've talked about a zillion times on the show is is raylan given's story and it's boyd crowder's story it's not just raylan's story even though he is like the main actor you're still getting like what's the villain doing and why and what what is his motivations and why should you care it's not just some you know, faceless, nameless, just like tyrant guy. So I just love that. Lucas? Yeah, I think, I mean, again, to echo everything Amanda said and to, to build off of the idea of like, it shows like how bad to the extent of the damage was because I think it sets up this rage Vader that we have, the kind of Vader that's out here just like ripping throats, dragging people through the mud, like burning people alive for no reason. Um I think it's a Vader that got set up really well in the comic series. Um, there's like that iconic panel of we have you surrounded and Vader says something to the effect of all I sense is uh, fear and the last thoughts of a thousand dead men or like whatever it is. Right. But it's, it's a Vader who is pure rage because that's what keeps him alive. And I think in a sense too, it, it helps to build the tragedy of it too. Right. Cause like ultimately that's what the first six movies are about of like, there's this guy and, you know, Obi-Wan took everything from him in his mind. And, you know, you should see like 
in a way, it's almost like we are Obi-Wan who hasn't quite seen what he's done to him yet. But like, see what you've done to me, what you've forced me to live as. So I think it really helped. And I think like Amanda said, they spent exactly the right amount of time on it. For me, I, I going off the rage fade, like I'm just going to say like, I thought it was actually frightening. It's like going into that Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees thing. You're the Terminator. That's what I thought of. It's just like you're seeing him being built for war. He's being built to hunt and kill. And I don't know how they did this, but somehow Darth Vader, the ultimate villain, who somehow we've, we've we're like, oh, he's cool. Like we like Darth Vader. Hey, want to see more Darth Vader? He became that frightening presence we all saw as a kid growing up he is now the monster again and that's a very hard thing to reinvent and i think that's the coolest thing that they have done but let's move on to something that maybe we um don't think is cool and that's a segment called just like you train his father because we are all in moments when we don't like something sassy uncle owen so guys um we generally like this show as if you can't tell so what so far in these three episodes, if anything, has been a negative for you? Um, I mean, I'm going to start with you. You're generally a positive person. Uh, so was there, any, <laughs> was there anything these first three episodes that you didn't like or whatever? Um, actually, there are two things, um, which is hard. I had to be nitpicky because I, I was like, this is going to come up, I'm sure. And I have to really kind of, kind of nitpick. Um, the the little bit of parkour is a, a little bit of excess parkour on on uh, Reva's part, just a little. Didn't need yeah, to be that that much. Um, Cause I'm like, well, you could have caught him if, if you weren't parkouring so much. Like, I it, it was impactful the first like couple of the first uh, like run she did, like this with the snarl and everything. But then it kept going, and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not crazy about it um, because it took for me it took away from that that moment snarl that like intensity and then it kept going um the other thing that i got nit a little nitpicky about was how easy it was to find obi-wan um in the desert you know you had this other jedi nari show up and was able to find him and i'm like but how if if, if he went completely ghost mode like we, we like you know revenge of the sith was saying and how we've always known he's this hermit in the desert how is Bail Organa able to find him? How is Nari able to find him? Uh, I was like, he was, it kind of took away a little bit from the, I mean, Bail makes sense, but you know, the other Nari didn't have like a, you know, I, I get it. Maybe he was a pad his Padawan or something where they maybe had a, a forced connection established, but I'm like, is anybody else going to show up finding Ben Kenobi at this point? <laughs> that was probably my only, those are my only two, my only two things that I had to, nitpick a little bit about um lucas what about you i will say that initially i was upset that they spent all episode three turning or vader into this like badass killing machine and then for whatever reason he all of a sudden couldn't use the force across the fire to stop the robot with kenobi but then the more i think about it the more i realize that that fits into vader of just like you know what go ahead. I know you'll be back. Right. It's that manipulative, like, um, 
like psychologically torturing like the physical torture has ended now we will begin the psychological torture of today's episode um so like i'm fine with that now i i think my only nitpick has been um how dark the night scenes are so i know that it's a thing with cgi um game of thrones was the worst offender um the, the long night being literally and figuratively unwatchable um, because yeah. of the darkness. Um, part of the lost two seasons of Game of Thrones that don't exist. Yeah, um, never but, but I think it's a thing with modern CGI and I don't know if it's to hide like low, like to hide budget cuts or if it's done to make the work easier or if it's like a I don't, I don't know what it is, but CGI in the dark is something that is a problem across the board with Disney, with Marvel movies, and with properties outside those, those two companies. Like I, I, CGI used to not be a problem in the dark, or maybe I didn't notice it because movies in the 80s, a, a genre of movie that, that I watch a lot, like didn't have a ton of CGI. It was animatronic. It was you know, it was art, it was matte paintings, right? So everything was pretty well lit, but I, I just feel like I would rather see them spend the money to build a real set with lighting. Um, like the like um, the one episode of Loki, you guys will have to help, might have to help me out. When they're on the planet with the yeah. escaping ship, right? Yeah. The ship gets blown up. That was a scene shot at night that was extraordinarily well lit because they built nice. the whole set. Right. Some of the parts you and you can the worst part is you can tell when they built a real set versus a CGI set because of the quality of the lighting. Some of the parts in episode two, I think, Amanda, you're pointing this out in that city. Right. Where like the parkour scenes were super dark because they're super CGI. But then you get Obi-Wan and Leia in an alleyway and there's like a neon sign and two streetlights. Right. So like I think that the divide between those two shots is getting wide enough where they need to address it. Um they need to address it as like an ethos. Like, what are we going to do as a company to address this nighttime problem? Like, are we going to build more real sets and just limit the scope of what we do? Or are we going to, if Disney's hiring practices are be, to be believed, stop hiring a bunch of interns every, every two years to do this work for us, right? So um, I think that's my, my nitpick. It's just, I would like to see what's going on or to stop shooting night scenes altogether. Al, what didn't work for you? Nothing. I loved it. <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, no. Like I it's, mean, it's we're it's, and we it's are true. we are nitpicking, you know. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to honestly, like, I think everything's been kind of. I mean, you can't. We've talked about CGI issues a lot. Moon Knight. Oh, I mean, Moon Knight. Moon Knight was, was rough, man. Oh, and we, I, I mean, and Marvel has had some pretty bad ones. Uh, Lucas always mentions the uh, the car chase in Hawkeye, not the actual the stuff in the car, but at the end with like the giant arrow and everything was kind of uh, very bad CGI. And yeah, yeah I can those, see that. those rubber Christmas trees. Yeah, end. I guess I guess my biggest problem is it's going to be too short. There's only what six episodes. Yeah, that's this cool. is that's depressing. Yeah, yeah. that was I, you literally took mine. It's Good six. See how, see how it feels. Really matter, you know i can ramble about now it. your torture has begun yeah <laughs> god let me tell you about torture guys um so 
Yeah, I think uh, just coming off Stranger Things season four, where everything every episode is like an hour plus, I wish we had a little more time with some of these episodes too. I think they they do a lot in these episodes, but give me more. I also don't like the fact that it's six episodes. We we could stretch this out a little bit. Um, my other thing I didn't like was um, Grand Inquisitor got killed off real quick. We we see him. And I, I know there's a potential for him to return, but like for as of these first three episodes, I'm like, okay, he's there. He has that like spinny, you know, weed whacker uh, lightsaber that chops up flea from the red hot chili peppers, which was just a wild cameo. If there ever was. <laughs> are, are we going to talk about the wild cameos? Yes. At some point? I talk about sure. Why not? But we'll talk about uh, one of Al's favorites in a second. Um, but yeah, it was just like then all of a sudden he gets run through and by by the third sister and I'm like, all right, that didn't really last long. So it, it, again, that's a nitpick, man. That doesn't it really impact my thoughts on the show. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying if there's an issue, my bigger issues is episodes can be longer. This 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 show could be longer uh, in terms of episode order. But let's just. Bonus Jonas here. Let's just talk about our favorite cameos that we saw. Obviously, for me, the one that made me go, are you goddamn serious, was Flea as the head kidnapper of Princess Leia. I mean, no one saw that coming. Sure. Ridiculous. And they kill him off. Perfect. Good. I don't need him again. That's fine. So, listen, he just had point break. He's got Star Wars. I mean, it's it's a tie, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so guys, what was your favorite cameo? Al, I don't know what yours could be. <laughs> it's not necessarily my favorite. It was just like, oh, what, what, why? And uh, I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for like I was actually just scrolled through Instagram and saw he posted something. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a spoiler, I guess. And then I watched the episode. I'm like, all right, I could see it. They they did something with his voice, but it was uh, Mr. Zach Braff as uh, uh, was it? Was it f- f- frack? Frack? frack. Yeah, Freck. Fleck, Fleck, Freck. yeah, something Freck. like that. Um, entertaining, described fun. by every media outlet as an as an empire bootlicker. <laughs> Everyone described him as a bootlicker. Yeah, the, the the guy who pays the fifty bucks for the bumper sticker and then uh, you know keeps it on there for the next twenty years. Yeah, um, that was a, it. Was funny, Al, because like I didn't notice it. The thing that made me look it up was. Okay, I know that they do weird stuff with cameos. I know they love to throw random voices in. I wonder who Freck was. And I looked it up and I actually turned it back on and rewound it and I listened to it again. I was like, you know what? You can kind of ever so slightly, right? Um, But it almost felt like a very Zach Braff character in a way because he was just like, being super happy, being, being super cheery. And then, uh, hey, these guys seem really weird. So I brought them over to you like right away. Um, yeah. So that was cool. Flea through me. I don't know if there's a Red Hot Chili Peppers album or reunion tour coming out soon. There is. Oh, like, right there is. Oh, there is? Okay. It's so really happening maybe, right now. Okay. Yes. So that maybe makes a little bit more sense then. Um, but I mean, I love doing that, right? And I think, uh, you know, if you have, you have so many fans who are actors who grew up on it, and you need random roles. Jason Sudeikis, right, is the stormtrooper, or this the bike trooper who punched and Adam Pally, right? Adam Pally was the other one. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, Daniel Craig always rumored to be a stormtrooper, and no, um, straight up is a uh, is oh, he, was confirmed. Yes. Oh, was confirmed. Was confirmed. confirmed. Yeah. Joseph, okay. Joseph Gordon Levitt. 
uh, and Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Kevin yeah. Smith was a stormtrooper. So, in, I mean, uh, I, I love it. I am. I am a hundred percent here for it. Uh, Amanda, what was your favorite cameo? <sighs> Flea. I enjoyed him. I, I was. I popped. I mean, he was used perfectly, and I mean, Jimmy Smith was another one that was a good toss-up. He was almost my favorite, but I almost expected it once he saw Leia come out. I was like, okay, he's got to come out at, at a certain point. But Flea completely caught me off guard. Um, and this is kind of a slight cop out, but I am excited that James Earl Jones came back. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be, to be fair, I didn't know in what capacity that they were going to use Vader or, you know, you heard, you heard Hayden was coming back, but there was very, very little to no information about whether James Earl Jones was going to come back. So mm-hmm. it was nice to have him back. But for me, that kind of go <gasps> was flea. Oh, that you so random. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only we got three episodes left. I wonder what we're gonna get coming up because I feel like this is that is not the last of them. Definitely can't cannot be. Well, let's get into our next to last one, um, which is Anakin Skywalker is alive, and that is our theories section. And Al, I have to jump on this because it, it'll just leave my pea brain in a second. Al Fine. brought up, he's or someone brought up about Reva and her motivations, where she's the antagonist here. I don't know if I agree because I feel like, I mean, you could be totally right. This guy usually wrong, but I feel like she is one of the kids from what we were talking, Amanda, you brought up the uh, very beginning where they're, they're in the prequel part. Order, order 66. Order 66 is being executed. Um, I'm also wondering, so that's one. I feel like she's one of the kids there. And I'm wondering if she actually is like when um, the guy from Fast and Furious uh, was like, hey, I hope you get what you want. She's like, me too. Me too. I'm like, is she actually searching for Kenobi to kill him or because she learned from him and is a Jedi and she's trying to help him or I don't know. I feel like there's more than me. She's a transformer. She's more than meets the eye than just a straight up villain. I think here, I don't know, or maybe she wants revenge. I don't know. My other thing is in the same scene, there is a very similar, very similar Jedi's and very similarly shot. Some of the scenery of um, Grogu's vision, uh, his memory of, order 66 being executed i i mentioned that to you offline amanda as like i'm like is is he there is there something that's going to tie grogu into this i don't know if they need it or if this is going to be played in this series or it'd be played in mando season three but i feel like that's somehow tied together um amanda what are your thought theories where the show could go or any theories you have on it most of mine are probably considering Reba because she's the most intriguing um, character for sure. She's the one that that you don't know where she's going to go. And I think you brought up an excellent, I was actually thinking the same thing. I'm like, I wonder if she's she's in the role of an Inquisitor to try to get to Vader. Um, I wonder if she's going to take revenge, maybe get to a point where she gets close enough to Vader and take him out, um, you know, to maybe avenge her. Because I think she is the girl in the, in the opening, I feel like they wouldn't have shown that if it wasn't significant. Um, but so I, I feel like that, you know, there, there's some kind of redemption arc that's going to happen for her, whether now I don't think she'll survive outside of not at all. And I wonder too, if the Grand Inquisitor is going to come back and take her out. If she's going to get taken out by the Inquisitor or not. I'm curious about that. Um, 
I'm wondering too if we are gonna see Qui-Gon or they even threw out Quinlan Boss. I was excited about that actually. Cool. But I'm like, I wonder if they're throwing that out there just to throw me off. But that would be so cool to see him. Or um, of course, celebration throughout uh that of course Jedi uh, Fallen Order is getting a sequel. And they threw out Cal Kestis. Uh, from what I heard, Survivor is supposed to take place in the same universe, the same time as Kenobi. Are we going to see a live action Cal Kestis? Um, I know just the right actor for it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> the guy who plays him. <laughs> yes. The dude from Shameless and yes. uh, and uh, he was the oh uh, yeah, yeah. J- Jerome or something on uh, on Gotham. Yes. That's yes. right. I was like, I couldn't remember his name on Gotham, but um, but I wonder if we're going to see some other Jedi show up. Um, but but Reva, I think, is the, the character that I, I feel like he, as much as Kenobi, you have the show named after him, you have him as a protagonist. Reva's going to make all the difference in this story. That she's she's the one that everything's going to hinge on. And I'm curious to see what will happen next and if we're gonna get qui-gon they keep teasing him too i'm like uh, liam neeson come out episode six <laughs> he'll do anything so i think episode he'll six. Do it. yeah yeah but I, again I, i'm kind of hoping we see quinlan boss too i i would like to see a live action version because his story is really cool in general al <laughs> what what theories and thoughts do you have for this series going forward all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a uh, we need to have a segment or a, a, almost like a it's like a lot like a lock right like we have these tinfoil hat theories but like Lucas if you could think of a good Star Wars one or something we can use uh, for future episodes of like this put is put it in carbonite put it in carbonite yeah I'm putting this one in carbonite so just like I was right about what if in the Marvel universe saying that. They don't just do something to oh, do something. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, is there a specific episode of no, Special No, you're good. Obi-Wan is not just do something to do something. You don't just have Deborah Chow telling the story. You don't just have them using the same technology that they're using for the Mandalorian. Like, there's going to be a connection with the Mandalorian, the Mandoverse, whether that's bringing in Ahsoka which would be interesting if they could do that with uh, Rosario Dawson. It just, um, especially with that Vanity Fair piece that came out, I think it was Vanity Fair, about like how they kind of rebooted um, as a company, as an organization post um, the, the, the new uh, trilogy of films with the Star Wars uh, TV universe on Disney+. Plus. They have a plan. They have a big plan. That's why they can announce like, a million shows like this and it's not going to just be like hey we should make a venom movie you know what i mean like everything makes sense in this in this grand scheme so they're not going to just do an obi-wan series to do an obi-wan series look what the loki series was on marvel look what what if with how it um literally right. sets up uh, events that happen in uh multiverse of madness and beyond so obi-wan they're going to take the same playbook there's more to this than just, hey, let's go revisit these characters. There will be a bigger connection. Put that shit in carbonite. My greatest, my greatest thing I've contributed to this podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shit. Sorry. Look at Lucas, what he got. Um, I think, 
you, I think, I think obviously Leia is going to be brought directly before Vader. Um, I think that is going to happen and that is going to inform obviously the opening lines of dialogue in episode four between the two of them. It, it's pretty clear that like, even if you're force sensitive, you still have to know what it feels like. And it's, I think why Obi-Wan was a little vague on purpose um, because obviously Vader can immediately sense Obi-Wan, which is, I was wondering how they were going to do them meeting while still making episode four make sense. But then you realize the line in episode four is he goes, I feel something, a presence I haven't felt since and then trails off George Lucas in his infinite wisdom in 1977 decided to keep that line super vague, even though he thought he was only making one movie, um, which is going to carry an entire franchise for decades to come is that one line. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Leia is going to meet Vader. Um, I, I don't think we've seen the end of the grand inquisitor in one form or another. Um, Amanda, weren't you saying that he, comes back as a ghost spirit holocron at some point so he he does so um in rebels uh he has the lightsaber battle with kanan and ezra he actually kills himself because he doesn't want to fate he doesn't want to disappoint vader but vader Mm -hmm. pulls his force ghost back out and at some point forces it to confront um because it actually he actually his ghost does come back one more time it actually comes Mm -hmm. back out in rebels when kanan is the um the jedi temple Mm-hmm. And he has that fight, but that's actually the Grand Inquisitor spirit. Okay. Um, and then actually, then Vader then pulls it back out from uh, after that to to confront Luke Skywalker. Okay. Yeah, because I know I know that in the soft canon, I guess the legacy, it's pretty pretty standard stuff to store your your soul inside of a inside of a box. Um, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Um, the other sport, the other the other thing I think is going to happen is obviously Qui Gon. Um, coming back and that's how they're going to get that going um normally i would i would yell my point to make emphasis but as the audio engineer i know it's much more effective to use my my npr voice for emphasis so if you do not bring back qui-gon Jin in this series i will cancel my disney plus subscription and never watch any of your shows again uh, thank you for your time uh, Incredible. Slash, I'm going to use Al's login to watch. Going yes, forward. slash, I'm just going to steal Al's login to watch it and I, not I, pay I, for it. I, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Al might be stealing more of my logins at this point than I'm stealing of his. So. <laughs> I mean, like, definitely not. No. Oh. First off, first off, let me get this straight. None of us steal any logins. No. Or anything. It's not uh, stealing. It's not stealing. Sharing. It's a yeah. login commune. Really? Sharing is caring. Sharing yeah. is caring. I'm the biggest hippie on this podcast, potentially, and I, I definitely share with people. Sharing, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's I think the biggest thing is gonna be Leia meeting Vader. I think that's gonna be really cool. I'm pretty, pretty stoked on that happening, potentially, maybe. Oh man, this this uh, like I just thought of that. I'm just like, oh, that just seems frightening. Um Al, we're going to come to our last segment where we're going to rate the three episodes on a scale of one to ten. What are we rating them on? He, oh, I think we broke his brain. I think so. Okay. You know what? It's ten, this. Ten this what I was going to say is Owen Lars's. Thank you. That's, <laughs> I, I was going to say you have to throw it to Lucas on this one. A scale of one to ten, sassy Uncle Owens. Yeah. How would you rate? 
I guess we'll just go with the first three episodes so far. Cause I mean, let's rate it on a, let's do it on a scale because I mean, we could get, try to parse it out individually. Uh, that could be annoying, but let's, and then give your like final thoughts on the episodes all together. Um, I was going to start with Al, but I think he's hurt. No, I got it. Uh, you start, start with me real quick. Uh, eight and a half, nine, like 9.9. 9. I think I think Not three. What I was... said to do, I said cumulatively. What oh, all three. <laughs> all right, fine. Then I guess like a nine, th- two. Yeah, we've no. never done that. By the way, no. it's usually like, like eight, eight point five, nine. No, I, I honestly like. I want to. Um, I want to tuck you into that bed behind you. I feel like you're I'm. So I'm good. I'm. I'm chilling. No, I. I'm. I'm a. I'm a huge fan of the show. It's really, really good. And I've enjoyed the ride and it's getting progressively better. Like we obviously like all popped during episode three and you want that to happen consistently. And it's a six episode series. So hopefully it's only going to get better and better. So like progressively getting better, I think like a nine, nine, five is safe right now. And hopefully it continues to kick ass. Lucas. I think Disney has ultimately hurt themselves by making this show um because they cannot get better um you have an ahsoka series coming up man they can only do as good or worse um they have peaked too early um they are very clearly going to milk this series for the next hundred and fifty thousand years and it's already been done um i would say the first three episodes uh accumulatively they're a 10 they're an absolutely 100 percent. never ranked any single thing on this podcast a 10 and and here's the thing like you can excuse like i talked about how dark the episodes were right like obviously the darkness metaphorically is great the darkness literally not so great um but the thing is is that you can excuse that for great writing the same way that you can excuse a floppy lightsaber in episode four for great writing, right? The same way that you can excuse um, like obvious puppetry in episode five for great writing and great storytelling because like the, the films that Star Wars is based off of did not have great special effects, but they were still incredible. So I, I just think that the small things we nitpicked cannot take away from the monstrous inhuman achievement of every single actor, writer, director involved in this series up until now. I I cannot stress enough as a hardcore Star Wars fan, how impressive, how like refreshing and how ultimately disappointing it is. Because again, now what? Like I, that's the problem, right? It's like now, now where do you go from here? Where does, where does Metallica go after End Justice for All? They had to switch genres and become a '90s metal band, right? They, they, they had to be something totally different. So, I, I truly and non-sarcastically think that it's it's a the most perfect three episodes of television I think I've ever watched. And just to give you some. Just to tell you guys about some of the writers of this, this includes Stuart Beatty, who wrote Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, Hussein Amini, Amini, who wrote Drive. You're getting Hannah Friedman, who uh, is a co-executive producer on Willow, also did uh, wrote the book Everything Sucks and has been involved in a million different things. 
Andrew Stanton, who directed like A Bug's Life, who is a Pixar staple, wrote an episode of this, and Deborah Chow is directing every episode. So that collateral, is collateral. Uh, you know, it almost it's interesting because like I love the that. scenes in Collateral very much are the scenes in this show so far. It's it's this like tight spaces, dialogue driven show don't tell, where like collateral is like the better version of phone booth and i really liked phone booth um but that's another podcast for another time for another day yeah um as for me because amanda you will be last for us this is a nine for me i don't know if i've i've come close on a nine for some stuff i don't rate it a 10 because i feel like the next three episodes are gonna be better like this reignite like book of boba fett i think we could all say like I watched the first 10 minutes of Kenobi and I, Amanda, I think I messaged you. I said, this is better than Boba Fett. And I didn't dislike Boba Fett, but Boba Fett also wasn't great either. And Disney actually really stumbled out the gate for me in 2022, not 2021, because that was last year. And I It's like Moon Knight and, and Boba Fett were just okay. You know, they were, they were solid, but they weren't great. I think this is the Outside of the Mandalorian, this is the best thing that Disney has done on Disney Plus, uh, and I say it because the the Mandalorian blew my blew my expectations were low, just like with this, and it completely blew me away with what they did and what they where they were going with it. This show is amazing. Ewan McGregor is was born to play this, and he is so brilliant in it. It's like we didn't really talk about it because like. Uh, I just feel like he was just, it's understood that he's amazing. And somehow they reinvented Darth Vader as this ultimate killing machine. And we fear him again, which is amazing. So that's my, that's my, it's a nine for the first three episodes for me. Lucas, I think you had a question for Amanda before she gives her uh, number. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking really quickly um, because I haven't, I don't have the familiarity with like rebels and the animated stuff a little bit. Um, considering that like the holocron idea was like introduced in rise of skywalker are we gonna and like kind of ultimately screwed up um do you feel like we're gonna see a holocron before the end of this like is that gonna be something that they're gonna explore again does it make sense with the grand inquisitor because like it was something something that's so central to the lore of star wars the expanded universe is the jedi sith holocrons especially with like knights of the old republic another thing that's in development um I, is that something that has, has crossed your mind at all, especially with what you already know from those animated shows? I can see that um, because at some point, you know, Kanan has the Jedi holocron and um, you know, Ezra kind of comes across that starts that whole arc about how Ezra goes and finds Kenobi in mm -hmm. the desert because he has the two holocrons together. But the, the Jedi holocron does have a message from a younger Kenobi that's telling everybody it basically echoing don't come, don't come back to the temple. So it's possible because Kenobi somehow was able to come through that Jedi holocron or at least have some, at least was able to convey a message. So it's possible. It just depends on which holocron. I'm curious to see which holocron possibly could come out. Could it be Jedi because Kenobi has come out via it before? Mm -hmm. Or could it be Sith holocron because of the Grand Inquisitor? Yeah, I think it could be interesting. I mean, I know, yeah. again, like, the castle on Mustafar is such a huge part of like the hunt for the Sith legends, right? Of, of like, and, and again, I'm not as up on the new canon probably as I should be, but I know in the legends, like the, the inter three to four period, and this takes place, what, nine years before A New Hope, nine or 10, ten. years? It's 10. ten. 
Um, so I, I, I think there's plenty of time. I mean, it's, it's just so central to the story that they're getting ready to tell. I feel like they can't ignore it. It makes me wonder if it's going to come out in Ahsoka more though. Okay. Because the holocrons have already been introduced in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And, but, the, but is the show going to take place in between three and four? I think the I think show? you'll I think it'll be present time her searching for right. uh, Thrawn, but okay. it'll flash back to it, it times. Could, of, yeah, yeah, it could, mm-hmm. it could. I could see Ahsoka see the holocron speaking of a presence there for sure, mm-hmm. since they've been introduced in Rebels before. But I but this would be an interesting way to do it. Yeah, um, this would be a really that's a really good. I'm like I didn't really think about that, and I really I really love that idea. Because they can they can store I souls. They watch so much more shows that I don't have time for. <laughs> I know I know there was, and this is the last thing I'll I'll, I'll say on the holocron thing. I know because like with the Thrawn idea, there was a book, got to be a decade ago, called Outbound Flight, um, about like like Jedi going to explore the edge of the galaxy. Um, and they had holocrons with them. It was kind of like a weird separatist cult thing. Um, so like I, I just I think there's like once you open it up and the willingness of of everyone involved to pick and choose right they could have said like screw all that nonsense we're doing our own thing but instead they have borrowed so judiciously from everything that's already happened um, yeah I just think I think that's the way forward especially if you're going to bring in Night Seal to public like exploring the holocrons not just as like a weird MacGuffin for episode nine but like as like a real thing that can hold spirits, that can hold ideas, that can hold teachings. I think it's pretty cool. So Amanda. Oh, mine is still blown here. I'm like, I really like the Holocron. Now I'm going to go back and watch those episodes of, of Rebels again. I, well, one, because it has one of my favorite lightsaber, ba- lightsaber battles of all time, but now I have more reason to watch it again. Um, for me, I went like a 9.8. And I say that because the episodes were short. <laughs> I had to dock a little bit because they were shorter than I would want. Um, so I had to penalize for that. Otherwise, I would have gone with a straight 10. Because to me, this is some of the best Star Wars content that we've seen in recent memory. Um, I mean, so well done. Ewan McGregor just kills it. And I have to give it to Hayden Christensen, too, because he's such a soft-spoken guy. And for him to be able to come in and wear the Vader outfit and be and project a bigger, more grave presence, scary, fearsome. For him to do that shows off his range. He nailed it and just came back and was like, you know what? You guys all hated me for Anakin. Guess what? Boom, I blew your mind, didn't I? (laughs) Um, So he came in and crushed it, crushed it. And um, I, mean, I just loved everything about this. I mean, you know, again, Ewan's lost, you know, Ben Kenobi, the cameos. And I, I you know, I want to change my answer on the cameo because the one that made me extremely happy was our clone veteran, Tamora Morrison. Yes. Oh, that's the one I forgot. And I had a whole bunch of thoughts on that. And I was like, wait, I forgot. I, you know, it's so impactful. There's such a small scene. But the whole, you know, he's got the 501st armor. I'm kind of hoping it's Rex, but because the helmet's all dirty and you really can't see, because Rex, you know, I want to say, now I know Ahsoka's section of the 501st had the orange helmets. And I have to go back and I want to say that Anakin's section of the 501st had more prominent blue, 
but Rex's helmet has some very subtle blue. So I'm, I'm thinking, I was, I'm, I'm going back and looking at that helmet because I'm like, I wonder if it is Rex because it's easier to hide, you know, kind of paint over, kind of make that look all dirty and grimy. But that scene was super impactful because so, you just see the transition from the clones to the stormtroopers as we know them and just, you know, when you help a veteran and just the stare down, I'm, I'm hoping it's, I really want it to be Rex, but just even somebody who was in the 501st who slaughtered a bunch of Jedi and a bunch of Padawans and they're just out there. I mean, and for Kenobi to still, you know, kind of to still help him out or at least not <laughs> get angry or, or react really on site was really impactful. And the fact that this clone trooper was just not in the right, I guess he was spiced out maybe. It's kind of my, my thought process there because he didn't recognize Kenobi at all. Or did he? Again, if it's Rex, maybe he didn't just didn't say anything. It's, it's, you also don't see that side of Star Wars either. Ever, really. Everyone just kind of goes about their business or you don't see poverty and stuff like that. You don't see the ravages of what the Empire has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they did a... And I think I've said it on the last podcast that Star Wars is at its best when it reflects the the politics and the products of its time, right? And I, and you can listen you listen to the last podcast to hear my full rant on that. But I think I think that that makes makes sense, right? It it's like it's you know it fits right in, and I, I think the the whole the whole thing fits right in, and I think that's why it hits so hard. It's just like. You've never seen it before in Star Wars, but like you've seen it here. So I think I think they're doing a great job. And it just maybe have a bunch of questions because then it's it's okay. Well, once you think the Jedi are all gone, you know, do, do they just shut off? You know, do, do they do they go back to the clone troopers? Go back? Like, does it wear off? Like, does the whole you know everything wear off? Do the chips just stop working? And they go like, what did I do? Um, I mean, so what happens after Order Order sixty six for everybody? You know, no, no more orders. Yeah, there's no more orders. So what do you do mm -hmm. at that point? And then you come back to life and you, uh, you know, to your senses and you realize, wow, I killed the people I, I, I helped. There are children that the little Padawans that died. Like, you know, it made you really think, it made you really think. It's almost like the ending to Rambo. The first one, when it was a movie about actual things, right? <laughs> and not uh, uh, exploding bows and arrows. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of was like that you get to the end of that movie and it's Stallone's best acting of his whole career of like, I did what they told me to do and then they they tossed me aside like, you know, and then they try to put me in prison for for what, right? So like, again, I think it's I, I think they do such a good job of making it like relatable, right? As much as you can make a space opera relatable. But they also do something similar very much, sorry, we're going along, but I don't care, uh, is that no, we're great. Never apologize for us, Bill. It's my side, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's like, so it, when we get to when Obi-Wan's talking about his brother, mm -hmm. and talks about being pulled away from his family, they took me away from my family, but I found a new family. And you're just like, you kind of forget that because like Anakin, you know, he was, he was a fatherless child and his mom was on hard times. They're like, we're going to take care of your kid. You know, we're going to, we're going to give him a good life. And they didn't. And then we then see, hear the story about, he's like, well, I was taken away from my family. Well, he had a mom, he had a daddy, a brother. They took him away from that to be a Jedi because he had the, he was force sensitive. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like the harshness of Obi-Wan's life. We just think he's this like old Ben from the, that crazy old wizard across the Dune Sea. 
but he's got a lot of trauma that goes further back than Anakin. And like, it's a really interesting way of just looking at the other side of the Jedi that isn't that isn't as noble and glamorous and and mm-hmm. uh, chivalrous as we always thought. And I wonder exactly. if they explore that more. There's another that. Kenobi out there. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. Bob Kenobi cannot it's, wait. It's 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 Obi two Kenobi. Uh, you, you know. <laughs> that's like, the, well, that's how we ended on obi2 kenobi that's what you're going to be referred to for the rest of the podcast so guys fine. this is this was our first installment of sith happens uh the chronicles of kenobi whatever you want to call it but sith happens um uh, let's uh plug where everyone can be found on social media lucas i know you're very going to be very brief i'm sure uh where can people find all the stuff you do on junior hockey and all the other stuff you do I would say don't at me because we're in the off season um, and I don't want to be added when I'm not on the clock. Um, but as it turns out, people are adding us all the time um, in the last six months, a little humble brag here in the last six months of coverage, we have done as much social media presence as in the last seven years combined. Um, so as it turns out, everyone is adding us. Um, so instead I will say follow at the underscore Dan K show on Instagram and Twitter at the Dan K Show on Facebook, and at the Dan K Show on TikTok. We are uh, focusing on our TikTok page this summer, which is basically just short golf content. Um, also an excuse for us to play golf a lot. Um, but yeah, if you like junior hockey, college hockey, youth hockey, and um, following two guys who are okay at golf and even more okay at hockey commentary, give us a like, subscribe, smash that like and subscribe button. Al, where can people find you, buddy? You can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. You can see my photos of uh, Interpol at the Met in Philly. And you can see my photos of Turnstile, the greatest band in the world currently right now um, from the Fillmore Philadelphia, both at thepopbreak.com. Before I, I set you up, you do have a very big show you're shooting this week. And not for me. Listen, I'll promote it because I'm stoked for you. I'm I almost don't even want to say it out loud because I don't want to jinx it, but I'm shooting one of my favorite bands of all time, Coldplay at, at me. I don't give a shit. Um, love them so much, but yeah, um, but but I'm also seeing um at MetLife Stadium, which I've never taken photos at before, yes. uh as a at a concert. So that is a huge deal for me as a as a lifelong Giants fan, as a fan of the state of new jersey weirdly i've become a fan of this state after hating it forever um it's pretty big deal it's it's pretty much one of the biggest venues in the state so very excited about it as one of your best friends and your annoying love for coldplay i'm so happy for it it's not as much as your annoying love for another band (sighs) you single plug it plug it new phoenix single go get it guys it's great whatever dude um amanda where could people find you online and tell us about mission pro wrestling where you are the general manager yes so our next show so we are all all over we are youtube we have a tiktok ourselves now um yeah so we're all we're jumping on that (laughs) jumping on that too uh instagram facebook twitter at mission pro wrestling our next show is august 20th here in san antonio actually um it is in partnership with the hybrid school of wrestling and um helps out the salvation army we are already announcing our card. 
And right off the bat, we've got Simon Miller versus our man of Mission Pro, J.P. Harlow, which I hope J.P. gets what's coming to him. <laughs> He's been a thorn in my side the whole time. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've got Genocide and Kylan King one-on-one. And, you know, they're going to tear it up. Um, so those are just a couple of the matches we've announced. You know, we've, we've got our women's gauntlet match, which is going to be awesome, too. So um, check us out. You can stream us on Title Match Network. Or if you're in San Antonio or Texas area, come on by, take a little trip to San Antonio, um, hang out, I'll hang out. And um, so at Mission Pro Wrestling on all socials. And then for me, I'm primarily on Instagram, just at Mandalorian and just doing all the nerd stuff, working out. And that's that's pretty much about it. And geeking out about Star Wars and anime. So that is it for me. If you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S. I'm not giving out my Instagram. It's my own thing. Uh, but uh, mostly my uh, tweets are uh, about pro wrestling, uh, how much I love my new T-shirt from Jetty, uh, which is a store that Al and I own a lot of clothes from because they're like two minutes from Al's, Al's home. Yeah, I got mine too. Mine was literally like, hey, get your dad something for Father's Day. And I'm just like, oh, I just bought myself that shirt. So, yes, I am officially a dad again. Uh, so. Uh, I am my other stuff is mostly retweeting stuff from thepopbreak.com. It's the site I've been the editor in chief and co owner and co founder of for the last 13 years. Every day, we're talking about movies, music, television, pro wrestling, anime, comic books. Our music session is blowing up right now with coverage. Uh, we just did three festivals, we just did coverage on three festivals, two of them in California, one of them in Illinois, which is going to be coming in soon. Um, and uh yeah we have a whole podcast network i am the co-host of the of bill versus the mcu i'm the bill part of it because i never finished marvel and now i have a podcast about watching all of it and it's pretty great uh and that drops once a month myself and alex marcus i'm also the co-host of the tv break podcast with alex and josh sarnecki who is an alumni of this podcast uh this we just reviewed the new amazon prime series night sky we talked about star wars celebration talked about all obi-wan and stranger things and uh yep so you can find all of that on all your favorite streaming platforms under the Pop Break TV feed. And uh, check out all, go to our podcast tab and check out all the great shows we have. We have tons and tons of podcasts. Our buddy Tyler McCarthy is going to be uh, debuting a new podcast this Saturday, which is all about romantic thrillers. Uh, he and his fiance are doing it. So that's going to be pretty rad. So wait for that on the Breakcast feed. Um, we'll be plugging that tomorrow and uh, we're plugging that coming up. It's going to be, it's supposed to be, it's a really great show. I haven't listened to the new episode yet. So check all that out. Of course, follow the pop break um, on Twitter and Instagram at the pop break. So for this, uh, for this lovely group of star Wars nerds, my name is Bill Bodkin. Join us next week for when we discuss episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs>